We're in week two of a four-week series that uh, we've entitled Uncomfortable. And we're moving into four, uh, not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination, but four uh, what we could easily describe as uncomfortable subjects uh, for a variety of reasons. And there's, a, there's, there's many reasons why I think this is an important series, uh, even word to talk about. Um, but just one is sometimes in our failure um, um, or lack of intentionality to step into or address uncomfortable subjects, Subjects, uh, in our silence, we communicate, we don't talk about that. Uh, we know it's there, we know it's, it's an issue, but we don't talk about it. And, and our silence communicates, we don't talk about it, we don't bring it up. And so we're hoping that uh, a number of things come out of this, but one is that as we, as we broach these subjects, as we move into these subjects, as we talk about them, and I'll be honest, we're just scratching the surface. There's, there's no way in a 30, 40 minute message uh, on a Sunday morning we can delve into the depth of these topics. Um, but I hope as we even just scratch the surface uh, that it would give you the freedom to talk about them, talk about them with one another, uh, and even beyond this time, that you would talk about them at home with your kids, with your family, uh, with other followers of Jesus, with coworkers and neighbors, uh, because these are things that are being talked about in many different ways uh, right now. So last week, we jumped into the topic of racism. Uh, that sermon's on our website. If you weren't here or be able to be here uh, last week, uh, today we're going to see as you see. So see, before we talk about the sanctity of life, next week we're going to uh, move into the topic of sexual harassment and assault. Uh, we're going to move into that. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about money. And uh, the way we're going to go at money is, is really re um, using the resources that we all have to be willing to bless others uh, that maybe need help. And uh, we'll dive into that uh, next week. So as we think about the sanctity of life, I'd love for you to have in front of you open in some way or in front of you in some way, Psalm 139. The book of Psalms is in the middle of your Bible. It's, um, there's 150 chapters. We're just going to focus on Psalm 139 um, in these moments as we think about the sanctity of life. And I want here at the very beginning of this uncomfortable subject to just acknowledge three groups of people um, that are, I'm preaching with the assumption they're here. And I believe they are. Even was confirmed after our first service this morning. The first group of people I just want to acknowledge, and I'm not going to actually do anything, just want to calm your heart or mind there. But I feel it's important for us as we think about the sanctity of life to first acknowledge there are some here today that have had abortions. That is the reality for some. This is maybe something you have told someone else, your family, close friends. And for some, this is something you have never shared with anyone else. There's also even some men here who um, your wife, a partner, a girlfriend, um, maybe many years ago when you were in a relationship, maybe even just recently, and you are, are aware um, she had an abortion, you are maybe unaware, were unaware until even just recently, and you carry that here today. There are some here today that are also this topic will bring up the painful loss that you've experienced through a miscarriage or the loss of a child, maybe stillbirth. There are also some here today that are walking the incredibly painful journey of infertility. 
And this topic, the sanctity of life and God as a creative life will stir this up in you. And these are three groups of people that probably are here today, maybe sitting near you today. And as I was thinking about uh, these groups of people, especially here at the very beginning of this topic, I, 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 found my, I found myself thinking about the Old Testament story of Hagar. And we're not going to talk about a lot. I just want to mention it. And maybe you're familiar with the story. Hagar was a maid servant. She was a servant to Sarah, who was married to Abraham. And Abraham was promised a son, a child, and, and descendants. And up to this point, Abraham and Sarah had been unable to have children. So Sarah says to Abraham, Abraham, I can't have children. Here's my maidservant. Maybe this is the way God's going to give us a child is through my maidservant. So Abraham and Sarah sleep together. Or excuse me, Abraham and Hagar sleep together and she conceives. And Sarah is mad. And we don't know exactly what she did to Hagar, but all the text says is she mistreated Hagar. So much so that Hagar doesn't want to stay there and she flees. She leaves. She takes off. She runs away. And the, the picture is she's out in the desert. She's out in the wilderness and she's by this spring. She's by this well. And you, you have to imagine just the feeling of being alone. Does anyone care what I'm going through right now? Does anyone even know what I'm going through right now? And God shows up for her. God speaks to her and lets her know this child, she's going to have a son and what's going to happen through him. And, and then it's so interesting, the name that Hagar gives to God in that moment. Genesis 16, verse 13, she says this. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. And she even names the well or the spring, the water, where she is. She says she names it of the well of the living one who sees me. And I just want to share that name of God, the one who sees me, especially for those who, again, have had an abortion I've had a partner, a girlfriend, a wife who's had an abortion, who's experienced the loss of a child, who battles still today the painful journey of infertility. And you might come here today wondering, does anyone else know? And you may be, for whatever reason, you have not told anyone else what you are walking through or have walked through. And you feel very alone. And I just want to let you know today, there's a God who sees you who knows the pain, the grief, the tears you've shed. He knows and he sees you. And I want to share that, these realities, friends, because if this isn't our experience, if you've never uh, known someone who's had an abortion, if you've never lost a child or had a friend or family member who's lost a child or talked to people who walk that incredibly painful journey of infertility, wanting and desiring a child and for whatever reason just can't, it's hard for us. We, we miss this reality and this is, this is reality for many even here today. And it's good for us even as a church family to remember that today. And remember that there's hope and there's healing found in Jesus. No matter what we walk through, there's hope and there's healing in Jesus. 
So here on Sanctity of Life Sunday, which is something that started back, maybe you're aware of this, back in 1984. It was actually President Ronald Reagan who issued the first presidential proclamation on January 13th, 1984, and designated Sunday the 22nd, January 22nd, as, the national, as National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Then, in 1984, he was, it was on the 11th anniversary of Roe v. Wade in which the Supreme Court issued a ruling that guaranteed women access to abortion. Here today, in 2018, we sit 45 years later from the decision of Roe v. Wade, 1973. Abortion is one of those topics that it seems to rise to the surface during election season. We talk about it, um, the candidates that are running for whatever office, House of Representatives, Senate, President, or even local elections. This is a, a platform that people run on. They run on either being pro-life or being pro-choice. And we talk about it, they're asked questions about it. And um, it seems to be when, when the elections are done, when people are elected to their various offices, this topic, for whatever reason, fades into the background and then it comes back to the surface during, the, during these types of uh, periods of time in our, in our country. And I'm thankful for Sundays like this that force it in a good way back to the surface. Because friends, even when the elections are done, this problem isn't going away. I'm not going to overwhelm you with statistics. I could give you any number of statistics and friends, they are overwhelming. When we understand the depth of this problem, the issue, the magnitude of the atrocities of abortion. I just want to give you one, one statistic. There's nearly one million abortions in the United States each year. And over 42 million abortions occur annually around the world. One statistic I read said in China... There's 35,000 every single day. If you do the math, I had to do it on a calculator. I'm not that smart to figure it out in my head. It's about 80, over 83,000 every month here in the United States. 83,000, over 83,000 every single month. To say this is a huge issue is an understatement. And it can't be something we just talk about during election season, but it has to be something we talk about regularly. And I want to let you know here at the very beginning that here at Hope Church and, and the, the, the community or the family of churches that we are a part of called the Christian and Missionary Alliance, I want to let you know right at the front of this talk, this message, that we are pro-life. We believe that God is pro-life. And I want to show you in the book of Psalms, Psalm 139, uh, one of the, this is just one passage that helps support what we believe and what we practice, why we do it. It's not just a nice idea. It's, it's, it's something embedded in the fabric of the word of God and in God's heart. So I want us to go to Psalm 139. We're not going to read all of it. And I want us to see in this Psalm that God is the creator of all life. That he's the creator. That's, that's one of the reasons why we stand on this and talk about this because we believe that God is the creator of all 
life. And as we open Psalm 139, some of you are very familiar with it. You've read Psalm 139, you've studied it, you've even taught on it. Some of you have never read the Bible or never read Psalm 139. And we're just going to look at a few verses, but just the context. It's written by David, King David, uh, David the giant slayer, uh, slayed Goliath, that David, uh, wrote Psalm 139. And at the beginning of uh, the book of Psalms, David, the Psalm 139, David talks about how God, God, you know everything about me. You've searched me you know me, you know a thought before I have it, you know the words that I'm going to say before they come out of my mouth, you know everything about me. And, and he also says, God, you know everywhere I'm going to go. I can't, oh, excuse me, you know, you go with me everywhere. I can't flee from your presence. If I go up to the heights, you're there. If I go to the depths, you're there. I can't leave your presence. You are everywhere. And then David gets to the middle of this psalm and he talks about how not only does God know him and know everything about him, goes with him, but God has made him. And he's made every person. Starting in verse 13, he says this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He says... God, you, in verse 13, you created my inmost being. This picture of being knit together is in verse 13. You knit me together. You put me together. You intentionally, purposefully put who I am and everything about me together. You created me. God, you are the author, the creator of all life. Now, we have to acknowledge there is some biology that is happening here when a child is conceived. And so we don't have flashbacks of health class. And for the middle school and high school students are sitting by their parents right now. I'm going to be very simple as we talk about the biology that is happening when we talk about a, a child being created. We're going to talk about a sperm and an egg coming together to conceive a child. But what, is, what David is saying is behind that or in that is so much more. It's not just random cells coming together, but there's a sense of purpose, a sense of intimacy, a sense of intentionality. David used the word, you are knit, you have knit us together in our mother's womb. Now, I don't sew much. I don't know if that surprises you or not. <laughs> Uh, I probably haven't sewed anything since home ec class uh, back in fifth grade. But the idea of sewing or knitting or weaving something together, you just don't haphazardly go about it. There's purpose, there's thought, there's this is what I'm going to make. I'm going to make this shirt or this dress or this pillow. And there's a sense, this is what I'm going to put together. And you put it together that way. And, and what God is saying, what David is saying about God is that God, you have given great thought to what we are going to be like and what we are going to look like. And every life has been made by God. 
David goes on to say, after he says, you've created my inmost being, you knit me, put me, uniquely put me together in my mother's womb. And David says in verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I, wanna, I wonder today, when you looked in the mirror before you came here today, as you were doing your hair, brushing your teeth, shaving, I wonder as you looked at the reflection, the image looking back at you, if you praised God. If you, like David, said, God, I praise you because I look at what you've made. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Sometimes when we look at the reflection, we look at all the things we wish were different, don't we? I wish my hair didn't curl as much as it did. I wish my hair was straighter. I wish my nose wasn't the shape it is. I wish my eyes were a different color. I wish I had more hair. <laughs> I wish my complexion was differently. Was different. I wish I was six foot two instead of five foot eight. Sometimes when we look at what God has made, we say, you know what, God, I wish you had given me a little bit of this and more of that instead of this. And David, as he looks, when he thinks about what God has made, it causes praise to stir up in him. He says, God, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. Obviously, there's a place for health and fitness and changing how we look and all those types of things. But, but as we look at what God has made, do we see the fingerprints of God? God chose or picked that you would have the color hair you do, the eyes you do, the personality you do, the laugh you do, the skill set you do, the abilities you do the stature you do. It wasn't just random coincidence, a rolling of the dice. But God said, this is what they, I want them to look like. This is the personality I want to give them. And David says, because of that, let's praise God for what he's made. I like what Eugene Peterson said. He said, in the presence of birth, we don't calculate, instead we marvel. I still remember four of the greatest days of my life when each of my kids were born. And as we held them there in that hospital room, marvel how God has put them together. David goes on to say, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He says, my frame, my, who I am was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Here's the idea of knitting or weaving together. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, he even says, your eyes saw my unformed body. So, so even before there was a, a body and a shape and hair and fingernails and eyes, and there was a, God saw even the unformed formed body. We're woven together. Some of you seem to be made, but our days are, are ordained for us. God knows them before we even live any one of them. He says, all your day, all the days ordained for me are written in your book before one of them came to be. We see God's unique weaving together of human beings every single day, but sometimes the reality is we're just so used to it, we miss it. 
I don't know about you, but I, I watched Bob Ross growing up. And I don't know how many times, no matter how much I tried to paint or to draw those happy little trees, I could not draw or paint the way Bob Ross could. There, was people, there were people in my math class that, that I envied because they just seemed to get it. As I struggled with math and struggled with it, like they just got it. There's people that just get these things. There are people that just get chemistry. There are people that are more athletic than us who say, how can they run and do that at the same time? And I'm stumbling over myself. We see it every single day. God's unique weaving together of people. And David reminds us of how precious and praiseworthy that is. As parents, this can be one of the, this is such a joy, joyful experience as you think of your kids and have the same DNA pool, but yet all so different. And at the same time, it's one of the more frustrating things. Like, I wish they were all the same, but they're not all the same. They're all different. They're all unique. And David reminds us through these just few verses that God is the creator of all life. No matter the circumstances, no matter the people, no matter the time, God is the author of all life. And we think back to what we started talking about with the, the huge issue of abortion. Friends, what that does is it cuts that short. It stops that life from being born. It stops that life from being born. And because we believe God is a creator of all life, we believe we have to speak about these things and talk about these things. With this theological framework in mind, we have to conclude then that all life is valuable from the womb to the tomb. The sanctity of life does not stop after a child is born or before a child is born. But friends, the sanctity of life, believing that all life is valuable, all life is precious, all life has been created by God should cause you and I as followers of Jesus to realize that every single life, every person, every life uh, is valuable from the womb all the way to the tomb. We value all life across the board. And it's really this topic, friends, that brings what we're talking about over these four weeks, these uncomfortable subjects, together. These aren't just four standalone, although they're different topics. The way they intersect together is the sanctity of life. Because if we don't believe in the sanctity of life, that every life is valuable, every life has value and dignity and worth to it, then we will dehumanize people. We will do things to people that should never be done. But friends, the, the, the sanctity of life moves beyond just the womb and it goes all the way to the tomb. Without this foundation in place, again, we dehumanize people. We treat them unjustly and unfairly. We think of all the human rights violations that happen all around the world. Those things should cause us to be troubled because they are people made in the image of God. People maybe we never meet but they're still people who bear the image of God. That's why when we talk about the issue of race and racism, 
If we don't value people, if we don't look at them as made in the image of God, then we're not going to speak up about racial injustices that are happening all around us. If we, if we don't believe that a, a, a child inside a mother's womb is a person and is a child, then we're going to be okay with the right for a person to have the right to choose. If we, if we think about a person as just an object to be used for my pleasure, for someone else's pleasure, then we're not going to speak up about sexual assault and abuse we're not going to be concerned about those things. And, and then we think about helping people with our resources. Again, people who are made in the image of God that me, we might be able to help. This topic brings together, this issue brings together all what we're talking about over these weeks. I would encourage us today as we think about being pro-life that it just doesn't stop at conception. It just doesn't stop at the womb. But we have a pro-life perspective and mindset for every life. And even here's the thing too. Think about people that maybe we, um, we think of uh, being against us or enemies. And even think of nations. And like, how do we view people in North Korea? How do we view people in North Korea? How do we view people in the Middle East? And again, sometimes through our news outlets and media, we're, we're taught to fear. And, and I'm all for, you know, we need to be aware of what they can do and the weapons and all those types of things. But friends, remember, they are people made in the image of God. All of them. So let's be people that value all life from the womb to the tomb. But on this Sunday, when we think about the specifically the sanctity of life, we think about the issue of abortion. I want to just give us three quick ways that we could take this even further beyond just talking about it here on a Sunday morning. But how can we live this out? Just three quick thoughts. First, let's be a voice for the voiceless. When I think of the unborn, they are probably some of the most, if not the most vulnerable among us, the unborn. Therefore, we have to be voices for the voices. We have to speak about these issues. We have to be a voice and ad advocates for them. How can we do this? We can do this in so many ways. One, and it maybe should go without saying, but I want to say it, pray. When was the last time you as an individual, as a family, prayed about these issues? Prayed about the issue of abortion. Prayed for hearts to be changed. Prayed for laws and legislation to be changed. Friends, it's not going to just happen because you know, people have a sudden change of heart. It's going to take really a work of God. So let's be people who pray. Let's be people who get involved, who maybe some even went to, have gone to marches and protests. Some, and I was made even aware recently of this movement called the Moral Outcry. And they have a website. They're, they're under the umbrella of the Justice Foundation. And what the Moral Outcry is trying to gather are signatures. They're trying to gather at least a million signatures of people who are, who are saying, you know what, we need to bring Roe versus Wade back to the Supreme Court. This needs to be heard again. So you can go on their website. It's themoraloutcry.com. You can sign the petition. Be one of those that signs the petition. That is just, again, a few ways that we can be a voice for the voiceless. I want to encourage you to support local organizations. In our cafe this week, we're, weekend, we're highlighting three. Um, Oasis of Hope, which is in Medina, Oaks Family Care Center, which is here in Brunswick, and the Cleveland Pregnancy Center. All three of these ministries, uh, people here at Hope volunteer. Some are in the leadership 
positions in uh, these three uh, organizations. These are three organizations that are um, ministering to, loving, supporting people that are contemplating having an abortion, people that have already had abortions, people that are uh, working through relationship issues, and they need resources. They need money. I'm just going to be very blunt with that. Uh, They need finances to help do what they need to do. And you heard about the concert that Oasis is doing. Oaks has, in the cafe, there's baby bottles. You can put change, and let me encourage you to put cash money in there and fill up that baby bottle and bring it back. And that's one of the ways they are doing fundraising. The Cleveland Pregnancy Center is doing another fundraiser. Each ministry has a table in the cafe. And let me even encourage you, beyond just giving of your resources, give of your time. Maybe it's volunteering in one of their programs, volunteering to to spend time with and love on people that are walking through uh, after having an abortion. Couples that are struggling, are you willing to walk alongside them, to help come alongside and invest in them? Are we willing to give of our time? Are we willing to, uh, sometimes we think about the sanctity of life, and and rightfully so, we we need to think about the women, but sometimes in the midst of this, we forget about the men the boyfriends and the partners and the husbands. Men, let me encourage you. Maybe some of you want to volunteer at one of these organizations and be a part of some of their men's outreach ministries to rub shoulders with them and love them and build relationships, mentor and coach them. Let's support through our finances, our resources and our time. And then lastly, And again, it kind of goes without saying, but just want to put it out there for us, that we would continue putting our faith into action. Let's not just be pro-life in our voting and our our, what we post on social media and saying, I'm pro-life. But friends, let's be pro-life in our actions, living it out more and more and more, that we would continue to be a community that people can be here and welcomed and loved and ministered to no matter what decisions they have made that people would find a place of healing here and hope here through the person of Jesus because of our relationships with them. They wouldn't feel condemnation, but they would feel love and experience healing. Some of you today, you might be thinking about maybe the step you might be being led to take is fostering. Opening your home to children that have to, for whatever reason, be removed from their home. Again, if we believe all life matters, then kids who need a home matter. And I believe as followers of Jesus, we should be really leading the way as it relates to fostering. Is fostering easy? No. There's some here at Hope that are doing it even right now, and it is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. But they're opening their homes. Here in Medina County, I just want to let you know, there is a huge need of foster homes. There's many reasons, one being what's happening with heroin. And many kids are having to be removed from homes for different lengths of time. And there's a huge need here in Medina County for people that are willing to open their homes to these kids that need a place to be loved, cared for. Are we willing to be those types of people? We're working on probably a Sunday this year of bringing in representatives from our county to talk about fostering. And maybe for some, it's not fostering, but it's adopting. Saying, you know what, I, we want to open our home. We want to invite a child or a couple children into our home, into our family, to be a part of our family, whether it be domestically or internationally. 
And many, again, here at Hope have done this and are doing this. You've, you are, you've adopted kids. You're thinking about adopting children. But again, for some, and it's not a twisting or you have to, but for some, this might be the step God is asking you to take. We want to continue to be putting our faith into action, living out this pro-life mindset because God is the creator of all life and we value all life from the womb to the tomb. Proverbs 31.8 says this, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. When I think of the unborn, they can't speak up for themselves. And we need to be followers of Jesus that speak up for them, that talk about this, that live out this pro-life belief, that care for those who have had abortions, talk to those who are considering abortions, talk to those who have experienced the loss of a child, be friends to those who have struggled with infertility, opening our homes to fostering children, opening our homes to adopting kids, supporting these organizations are all ways, signing a petition, going to a march, are all ways we can speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Let's, with God's help, let's be people this week, friends, that share hope, that share about the hope of Jesus through our lives, our words, and our actions. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing a song. God, I first, just as we wrap up today, I just want to pray for those who are here today that... Uh, have experienced, who made the choice to have an abortion. Maybe for some, it was many years ago. Maybe even for some, it was just recently. I want to pray for healing. I want to pray if uh, there's no sense of community around them and no support. Lord, I pray for trusted companions, friends that can walk with them on the journey, that can offer hope and healing that can be empathetic, that can listen, that can cry. Lord, I'm thankful for the counseling, the post-abortion counseling that takes place in these agencies, these organizations that we've talked about. Would you bless the leadership of those? And I'm so thankful that there's resources like that that can help people. For some that are grieving even today, the loss of a child, are grieving the inability to have a child, would you meet them in their grief today, in their heartache today? God, we long to see laws changed, systems change, legislation change, hearts change. So God, we beg and ask that you would do that. Work through your people, work through your church. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue to see people the way you do, to see people as valuable, to see people as made in your image because all life, you are the creator of all life. Every life is a gift. So help us to see people, Lord, the way you do. In your name we pray these things. Amen.